Ephesians 6, verse 12. It's our theme verse for the book of Revelation as we are reminded of what John is telling the churches and the church. So if you uh, lost your bookmark, there's a couple on the uh, countertops as you depart. Otherwise, uh, work on this because there will be a test. In a couple of weeks, we won't have this and we're all gonna stand up and we're gonna say it together. So one of the things that uh, I really wanted to do this past week, and it's, it's perhaps a way to encourage you to learn it, is there's a number of words here, against. And uh, I was joking with a couple of people in the office this week that the way to remember it is to remember the anacronym RAPS. So I really wanted our kids to do a rap because it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And wouldn't it be fun if we could, you know, we did a little gospel, maybe we could do a little bit of rap too uh, as we remember this. So if nothing else, an anacronym might help you remember the order that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against R-A-P-S. So keep working on that as we continue to meditate on God's work in uh, the book of Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, and we're going to begin with a little bit of an introduction and then a prayer, or a prayer, and then a little bit of an introduction to help us uh, set the stage for what we're going to see and hear. So let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word and we thank you especially for the picture we have today, Uh, not just from Revelation chapters four and five, but here in this place, as you know, we have uh, tried to pick up on all of the ways in which we can give you the praise and the honor that you are, uh, are worthy of. And we do hope and pray that you have been, uh, you have received what we have given. And now we pray that we would receive what you give freely. That is your spirit to open and light our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we read, there's a couple of things that I want us to think about. Uh, three things specifically. The first is something that many of us learned as a test-taking skill. Many of us learned that when we are taking a test and we're reading a question and we don't understand all of the words, we use context and what is familiar to understand a word or a phrase or a concept we don't know. We lean into what is familiar. So in a couple of minutes, we're going to be reading from chapter 4, and we're going to be reading about a rainbow. Now, this is a familiar biblical image, and so what should happen as we hear familiar images is our minds should immediately go back to the stories that we know. We should be thinking of Noah and the flood and what the rainbow meant in that story as we hear it in this scene. 
And so when we hear the number 24, we should think, hmm, what is 24? Well, it's 2 times 12. Why is 12 familiar? Ah, yes, the tribes of Israel and the disciples of Jesus. That's two 12s, 24. That's familiar. So we use the context and we lean into what we know to help us understand what we don't know. So that's number one. Number two, what we want to do in Revelation when we're reading the book, not just here but throughout, is instead of reading what's familiar, uh, we don't want to get stuck there. So if we're reading along in this scene and we get to verse 3 and we, the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and ruby. Where in the Bible have we read jasper and ruby? And we go back and we figure out, well, Ezekiel talked about that and we spend a half hour unpacking all of the places where these gems show up. Well, we've just missed the forest for the trees. And not just the trees, we've missed the forest for the needles. And so the second thing that we want to do is while we lean into what's familiar and recognize what's familiar, we don't want to stay there. Because the point of John's revelation, the point of God inspiring John to see this, is not so that we would sit here and unpack every single word. John is inspiring a persecuted church. A church who is who has members who are being killed for their faith. Parents who are trying to raise their children in a culture that is completely against the Christian faith. Older people who are trying to hold on to the gift of life in the midst of persecution all around them. And so while we want to lean in, we also don't want to get stuck there. The third thing we want to do is we want to note not just the, the realities, but the feel, what we might call the tone. Well, I asked someone to help me this morning to help us do that because there are some things that immediately communicate something to us in terms of tone or feel. So let's have the first one. Even if we don't know that that theme is from the movie Jaws, we know it feels ominous. And that there's something in us that's a bit, what now? How about the next one? Most of us know that music too. And there's a feel communicated, isn't there? And John Williams, who wrote it, worked on that theme long and hard so that every time we heard it played, we wouldn't just see, we would have a feel. So let's turn the corner. If you watch cartoons, this is when the sun comes up. Any cartoon, that's the music of the sun coming up. And it's never a sun behind clouds. It's always cheerful. And then our last one. 
tell me you can't dance in your seat a little bit as that's being played. Thank you very much. Again, so as we're thinking through Revelation, we've got familiar, we've got don't get stuck there, but we also have this sense that John is not just writing a story so that we can read it and, and learn things about heaven. He's communicating to us a vision that Jesus has given him to tell to the churches. And this is going to cause things to stir up in our hearts. And if it doesn't, it should. The last thing. The last thing that we need to recognize when we read this passage is what it is not. And this is perhaps the most important thing for us today. If you're like me, you woke up and you saw that an orphanage, or not an orphanage, but a school in Ukraine got bombed. And it looks like there are 80 children who have died. So how do we enter into the throne room with this happening on earth? And earlier this week, I talked to the pastor who did the funeral service for the young boy who fell down into Buck Creek. Is Revelation 4 and 5, is that just a scene sort of out there that's unaware of what's happening and things on earth are just happening? Is this like Hunger Games? where everyone in the capital is just enjoying life, going to parties, celebrating all of the time, completely oblivious of what's going on in all of the other districts? Is this just God in heaven living the good life? And what we see in this passage is not that God is unaware or disconnected, but the exact opposite, which is why it's so important for us to catch this scene and recognize how we are a part of it. So with all of that, let's read. We're not going to have the words on the screen. If you do want to follow along, you're going to have to pull out your phone or your Bible and read. Otherwise, I would encourage you, if you're someone who's willing to close your eyes in church, to just listen and imagine. After this, I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircling the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and in front of the throne seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. 
Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like the sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center, around the throne, were four living creatures covered in eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings that were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw an angel, a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, and the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. What is the most surprising part of this text? What is the most surprising thing we see in this text? It's amazing to think about what a, a throne of emerald and rainbows would look like. It's amazing to think about how would a creature with six wings be covered in eyes. It's amazing to think what all of these different creatures look like. It's amazing to think how every single time these creatures say things and then the elders have the same response to fall down on their faces and that just sort of goes on repeat. 
I'd like to argue with you this morning, or at least point out with you what I think this morning is the most surprising thing, is that in this scene, the scene where there's not supposed to be any tears, John is weeping. It's easy to miss. And this is not like a tear of joy that maybe happened a little bit earlier in the service when things were just so beautiful. John weeps and weeps. This is the kind of weeping that is uncontrollable when something so horrendous happens that it is like a cry of agony. Because John has been filled with the message of Jesus. And if you go back to the first chapter, verse 11, Jesus comes to John and he says, I want you to write what you see. And this is the scroll that is now held and it holds what's going to happen. What's going to give hope to the persecuted church? What's going to fill those who are hanging on trying to persevere? That's the message that's in this scroll and it's, it's wrapped up and no one can open it. In other words, John doesn't know what he can say to give the church hope. He doesn't know what to communicate to people who are in the midst of grief, division, loss, death. The scroll is sealed shut. And it's why in the midst of all of the glory of the heavenly throne room, and it's all there, Verse 4, chapter 5. I wept and wept. John is so desperate to give a message of hope to the people of Smyrna and Philadelphia and Laodicea and Byron Center and Kentwood and Grand Rapids and Moline and Door and Cutlerville and the communities of the world that when he doesn't have the opportunity, he weeps. And in chapter 5, the Lamb takes the scroll And worship and praise breaks out. And last week, we looked at what comes next. And it's tribulation. It's chaos. Verse 2, if you have your Bible open, it's a conqueror bent on conquest. It's war. Verse 4, division, disunity, disharmony. Verse 6, economic disparity, inflation, hunger. Verse 8, sword, famine, plague. Creation is coming apart. That's what's on the scroll. But I want us to imagine for a moment how the lamb unfolds the scroll. And I, this is already open, but there's six seals on the scroll. 
And all of this comes undone. And the way that we often think about the unrolling of the scroll is that the lamb grabs it and all of the chaos of the world is unleashed. But that's not at all what happens in Revelation, is it? One by one, one by one, the Lamb unrolls the scroll and everything that occurs is well within the strong arms of the Lamb who is worthy. And last week we looked at the people who join into this scene. And I want us to not miss it. Because in many ways, chapter 4 and 5 are the same scene that we get in Revelation chapter 7, right? We have the great multitude, or excuse me, we have the, the throne and we have the people waving palm branches as we have the angels and the elders and the four living creatures. We have the same song, amen, praise and glory, wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We have all of these same things happening again, except there's one significant difference between the scene we get in 4 and 5 and the scene we get in 7. And it's that the great multitude is there. Chaos is unleashed. But the scene that John sees isn't just one that says, this is what God is doing now. But it's a, a scene that also includes everybody who perseveres. Everyone who in the midst of all of the trouble and chaos holds on. And so even as we look at the heavenly throne room of Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and we hear John weeping and we wonder what is it that would cause John to weep so uncontrollably, we are given the scene after that, which is that the Lamb who unrolled the scroll, who unveiled the future, also gives the strength to those and the possibility to those to come through the tribulation. And everything that causes the chaos and the trouble and the tribulation, it's almost as if it is vacuumed out of the robes of those who are on earth. And like we sang, Jesus paid it all. They are made white. We are made white as snow. And the robe that the lamb wears, which we'll see in a different scene later, looks as if it has been dipped in blood evidence of what the Lamb has accomplished remains. If you are going to want to give someone hope, 
The hope that we want to give is not just the hope of a pie-in-the-sky vision somewhere off in the future or some way far away that if God can just sort of vacuum us out, we can leave it all behind. The hope that John is giving to the people of God is that even as this scene of worship and this scene of proclamation and this scene of praise and this scene of creation joining in wonder and the scene of the, four, of the living creatures and the elders all falling down on their faces and their crowns coming off, laying down. In this scene, there is an awareness of what the Lamb will accomplish and has accomplished in His life, death, resurrection, and ascension to the throne. And tonight, if you join at five, we take a glimpse at how this scene shows up later and history moves a little bit farther along because the scene is the same, but things get added to what John sees as part of the heavenly vision. Because of the hope that John is encouraging the believers to hold, to be persistent in their perseverance, even in the midst of what is uncontrolled in our way, it's never outside the control of God. Let's pray. You are worthy, O God, and you, O Lamb, are worthy to take and open the scroll Sometimes we imagine that the way things unfold in our world are a little like a bag of candy exploding into the scene. It's chaos. But there's nothing that you are unaware of. Nothing outside of your hand. Nothing that surprises you. And even though we don't understand, even though it makes no sense to us, somehow it is part of what you are doing to bring your kingdom. And so God, as part of the great multitude, as part of those who join our worship with those who are already doing so around your throne, fill our hearts with the hope and the perseverance we need. In Christ's name, amen.